When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wildcats podcast. I'm uh, joined by John. Joined by John Schuster. I am merely Mike Luke. All right, guys, let's get to it. Everybody, hop in here. Got a lot of good stuff to decipher. Got a lot of good stuff to break down right here. First and foremost, the Arizona Wildcats win this game. A fairly easy performance, I would say, against an NAU squad that. Well, I think it's probably fair to say was a little bit outmatched here. Arizona wins comfortably, though. John Schuster, first and foremost, what were your initial impressions? Well, my first initial impression is oh, I need to get way, ahead of quick, the way, logo. As always, brought to you by DraftKings. Throw down five dollars, you get a two hundred dollar, uh, get a two hundred dollar free play from the Draft uh, DraftKings sportsbook app. If you win your NFL game, that's how they rock and roll around there. Great place to be. John Schuster, you're up. I apologize. No problem at all. It allowed me to move away from the little Wildcat logo here uh, that was uh, kind of infringing on my bald excellence. So uh, Mm -hmm. now that that's taken care of, uh, every once in a while out of the gate, you have some rough things to deal with. And uh, if that's the worst thing that happens here, then uh, it might be a decent season, all things things considered. One of... Oddly enough, and this is a game where Arizona, you know, you're going to look at the final score and Arizona put up a bunch of points. And I thought, generally speaking, offensively, they weren't all that smooth. What I thought was really interesting and nice to see. Good evening, Scott. Nice to see you, man. Uh, one, one of the things that I thought, and Nick, nice to see you as well. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that Arizona did a really nice job utilizing different defenses, especially some pressure defenses. To have a willingness to score on the offensive end, which is uh, sometimes, and this was one of the issues I think that we saw over the last dozen years of Wildcat basketball. It was almost like the mentality was it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. Basketball is like a metaphor for life. You've got to struggle for every little thing you get. No, sometimes, sometimes you want to have a weekend in Cancun. And if the uh, and, and if the press defense for Arizona is kind of like that, and the Cats can score some easy buckets here and there, it helps to open some things up, create a little bit momentum. The fan gets the the fans get behind it, and all that's good. Yes, and let's talk about that a little bit. Arizona wins eighty one fifty two. Hop right in here. Uh, Nick Howard says, "I missed the run of death because my toddler wouldn't go to sleep and needed to watch cartoons." Nick. You've been awesome. You know what? We're going to give you a little bit of a pass, a reprieve on that. But let's tell, uh, let's expand a little bit on what John Schuster threw out right there. And Shu, I think it's perfect what you just said about how on a game where Arizona wasn't necessarily hitting on all cylinders, at least offensively to start the game, it was almost like, okay, we're going to ramp up the defense a little bit. We're going to try some different attitudes right here, some different angles to try to get some easy offense there. And I couldn't believe it. it was sitting there watching the game in the first half when there was a press for the, like there was a press for a possession or two. It's like, what in the world is going on here? But I think what you're going to see, you're going to see a guy that is going to, I think, I think uh, he's going to mix and match a little bit here. Tommy Lloyd, depending on the game. And as we've talked about before, it's much more difficult to scout when you're in a situation like that. 
if you can do a little, if you can do a lot of things well, it helps. And it seems apparent that Arizona is going to try a variety of different things uh, throughout the course of the game to try to mix things up and to see what's ultimately effective. Generally speaking, I didn't think they were particularly good in the half court. And uh, I'm not sure their overall shooting percentage is uh, that stellar. I know Ben Matherin specifically had a bad, uh, had struggled quite a bit from the field tonight. Last I heard, he was somewhere like two of 13 from the floor. So you hope from an Arizona offensive perspective, that's something that's going to get better. But the willingness to try to mix it up, the willingness to see what works, uh, an ability to be able to utilize something on a consistent basis, I think, or or throughout the course of the game and be fluid on offense and fluid on defense, I think can go a long way toward helping Arizona. Uh, when one thing doesn't go right, you have an opportunity to try something else. And, you know, I, I, I think that's what we're going to see through the cats uh, from the cats throughout the course of this year is a lot of mixing up a lot of trying to figure out how to do things. But one of the weird things I think is that there's going to be, there's this quote unquote, and I know this phrase will be used a lot and it's been used by a lot of people. You use it quite a bit, Mike, is this run of death thing. But Arizona, I think is also going to have lulls of death because you're going to see a final score where the cats score somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 or 90 points and wow, that offense was really efficient. That offensive was that they were consistent from minute one until minute 40, but they will go through pockets throughout the year where they don't look very good offensively. Mm -hmm. And then other pockets will occur where they score 25 points in a five minute period. Right. And, and, and so I think there's going to be a lot of that element that takes place. And it's going to be, there, there are going to be times throughout the game. It's like, man, they don't look, particularly good. They're kind of off kilter. They're missing shots. They're in the bad spot. They're letting the other team score some points. And then, you know, you work your way over to the refrigerator, uh, pick up some carbonated beverage, look back up all of a sudden, 30 seconds later, they ran off eight points. And right. like, Wait, what, what just happened? So, so, so I think it's going to be a weird thing to watch from time to time. And as the season moves along, Maybe we'll be at a point where we kind of expect something like that to happen, and we'll see if Arizona is able to deliver. And let's talk about it because we got some comments coming in here. I think Nick Howard makes a great point. I love the fact that Lloyd teaches instead of dictates. And talking uh, to some of the guys on the media row. <laughs> Man, were um, you at the game tonight? Were you hanging out at media row, Mike Luke? Oh, I, I was. I was there. I was wow. back in the A in person, not just in via person. television. Man, yes. you were pure VIP. Yeah, for sure. Big deal. Big deal around here. Mm -hmm. But right. on, on a serious note, though, when you that watch was a serious the, note, yes, for sure. We all do. The players don't look like they're scared to make a mistake now where I mean, and again, I don't want to always turn this into a Sean Miller bashing yeah. thing because we're really not. But how many times when you would watch Arizona uh, basketball, would you or excuse me, an Arizona game, would you say? Oh, gosh, well, someone so just missed a shot or he turned the ball over. He's going to be. You know, he's going to be taken out of the game. These guys were allowed to play through their mistakes, and it just felt like an enjoyable brand of basketball. It felt like something that guys were, you know, okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to correct that, but I know I'm not going to be taken out, though, either, Shu. Yeah, there's going to be a fair amount of communication, I think. And, and, and to be fair, both versions work. It's not, uh -huh. we, we, we have to remember, remember that Sean Miller was a successful coach at Arizona. No who doubt, was, no doubt. Again, dictatorial, but I think many of his players were okay ultimately playing 
for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so I think generally speaking, the experience was good. One of the things when you've been recruited by one coach and you're playing for another coach, you wonder how that dynamic is going to be. And it appears, at least in the early stages, that this group enjoys what it is that uh, Tommy Lloyd is trying to bring across from them as far as the teaching element is concerned. But they also have to perform. And this team may be deep enough to where if they aren't doing what it is they're supposed to do, there may be a kid behind them who can do it a little bit better. So it's not happy-go-lucky. It's not all of this. Yes, it's important to be able to make mistakes and have the freedom to understand from that. But it's also important to learn from those mistakes and not make them consistently. And if you can do that, then you get better and the team gets better. And if you consistently do make those mistakes, I wouldn't be at all surprised if somebody else on the bench is going to take your spot and maybe get a few more minutes until you ultimately figure it out. And let's talk a little bit about the rotation going forward, because honestly, Shu, watching this game, I think that it's pretty clear cut as to what the kind of what the rotation is going to look like. But as always, want to remind you about DraftKings code word PHNX. You guys all know you're smart people. You're listening guys and girls out there. DraftKings is where it's at. You put down $5 if you're a new customer on an NFL game. You get a $200 free play if you if you win. And you know what? You can turn that into a lot of different stuff out there. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. 21 and up, Arizona only. 1-800-NEXT-STEP if you got a little bit of a gambling issue. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for all the details. Shoot, do you got any uh, thing going on? Because I actually uh, was looking at the over-under in this Arizona NAU game, of, uh, and I looked at it, and I thought 139 seemed a little high for a team that wasn't good. So guess what? Guess who pocketed $7.64 off a $8 bet? (laughs) Wow. If you keep doing that sort of thing, the folks on Media Row are going to ask you to pick up pizza. So and yes. uh, you've got to, you, you, you don't need to be broadcasting that too much because you know that media people are leeches. Oh, we have and, it. Oh, so, by the way. So be we, aware of that. Your, your triumphant approach right there was very impressive. I uh, was successful in picking Arizona on the spread. Uh, I, I was a little bit concerned for a good portion of the game, but they pulled away in the last uh, five or six minutes and, and gave themselves a little bit of a buffer. That was nice. I was not as comfortable with that over underlined for the same reason you weren't largely because of NAU. I thought Arizona could score 80 or 90, but but I wasn't sure if we were going to get another game that was similar to Eastern New Mexico. And it turns out that in the end, we ultimately did. So two games in a row, one that didn't count, one that did. Ultimately, kudos to Arizona's offensive end. Let's get to all right. Let's get to the rotation and some of the player uh, talk. And by the way, Nick Howard, thanks for the thanks for giving us a little bit of uh, info. The KO is on the TV. I am, uh, if I will tell you what, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be watching KO. So let's go, let's see here. Uh, Low Tone Capone says, Chris Ball is not impressed. Just kidding. Excited to see the Pac-12 basketball period. I agree. Uh, Luis Molina said, I agree, Shu, but I like this offense much better than Sean Miller's offense. This is, uh, I think that's probably the understatement of the year. And um, it's a great point, Luis. It thinks even when shots aren't falling, even when things look a little clunky, how many times did you see 
alley-oops at the rim that didn't look like they probably had much of a chance of uh, connecting. But there was far more of a, and we've joked about this in the past, there was far more of an attack type identity when they had the ball shoe where, like you said, it didn't look like they were trying to just be busy out there. It looked like they were trying to actually score and push the push the tempo doing and such. Under the previous regime, you got what? What felt like one alley-oop a game coming out of a timeout. Right. And the thought mm-hmm. process was, man, Miller can write some really good, can, can drop some really good plays coming out of the timeout. And then you wondered, you know, their offense often throughout the course of the game might have stalled in the half court a little bit. It seems like Arizona's happy to go to the rim with Lloyd as the coach as often as they possibly can. Right. And in that regard, I was a lot more impressed with Coloco's ability to hold on to the basketball than maybe I expected here. And they seem to be using him as a guy that they don't fear of uh, running a play for necessarily. I expected, you know, you and I have talked about this a few times. I have mm-hmm. high regard for Coloco. I think he's extremely important in Arizona's success this year. Uh, we'll be harping on that, I'm sure, throughout the course of the campaign. Uh, but one of the things that I figured this was is Coloco gets rebounds. Coloco, uh, you know, causes disruption at the rim. On the defensive end, Coloco handles an out- outlet pass, maybe sets a screen. And that's it. They aren't running any plays for him. But they seemed comfortable enough to get him involved on occasion. And and I thought he did a pretty reasonable job, maybe a lot more than I anticipated. His athleticism on the inside is going to help. It's going to help. And look at some of these guys, too, that I think are able to fit in. And let's talk with Dalen. Talk. Let's talk Dalen Terry a little bit. And, you know, the cool thing about being on here with Schuster is Schuster is able to look at these guys without a lot of preconceived notions because he's not following the recruiting angles. He's not, well, this guy's supposed to be this. This guy is supposed to be that. You're just going by what you see. And if this was one of your first real times extensively watching Dalen Terry under Tommy Lloyd, well, let me get your opinion first, and I'll tell you what I saw out there. Okay. I wouldn't be terribly uh, disappointed with it. There seems to be, uh, you know, the team as a whole, and Terry certainly fits into this realm. There's a lot of athleticism on this team, and I thought, again, I'll harken back to defense here, which sort of surprises me a little bit. Terry was one of a number of players who seemed to create athletic difficulties for NAU more on the defensive end than on the mm-hmm. offensive end. And, and it, you know, sometimes you've got to figure out one side of the ball before the other, especially in the early portion of campaigns as you're trying to get this all figured out and worked out, new coach, early season, new players coming into the system. How are you going to galvanize and make all of this work? Uh, I thought Terry was one of a number of players who exhibited good athleticism that you feel pretty good about. Mike, I'm more than happy to yield the floor because I know that you've seen him a lot. You do have recruiting uh, perceptions as a result of that and uh, how the new Terry looked to you versus perhaps what you've seen before, I think uh, can be an interesting tell. And uh, KB Thiel, we'll get to your point here in just a second about Kirk Creesa. But one thing that uh, one thing that I watched with Dalen Terry is that he's kind of the epitome of a guy that I don't think Sean Miller quite knew how would know how to use because Sean Miller, unlike Tommy Lloyd, is very was very much of a I need to put you you need to do this this and this. So I could see him basically being a guy that's not a great shooter that's being told to stay in the corner and shoot threes. Dalen Terry not a good shooter, but you know what Dalen Terry is. 
He's about six foot eight. He's incredibly long. He's active. And like you said, his impact, I thought, was the best on the defensive side of the ball where he has an athleticism length factor that nobody on NAU had. Low, you know, that's no surprise. Sure. That's NAU we're talking about here. But then you go over to the offensive side of the ball. The guy had four assists in literally the first 10 minutes of the game. He does a little bit of everything out there. You know, and honestly, Shu, he feels a little bit, and again, I don't, I don't want to go all the way here. He's got a little bit of Rondé Hollis Jefferson in him, I think. That's not where, a bad thing to have. Yeah, no, no, that's not. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't I'm not convinced certainly by virtue of game one. And I saw a little bit of Kansas and Michigan State, and I saw a little bit of Duke and Kentucky. There were some other, you know, really good basketball teams that played out there. It's like, holy crap. Those, there's, right. there's some talent out there. There's some physicality. There are some kids who can play. Uh, so, you know, the it, it, it felt like there was a significant difference between what is the expectation from a top 10 team and what is Arizona, uh, which you have labeled as a fringe. I think the term is backdoor top 25. Back end, uh, not backdoor, back, back end. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and so so they're going to be a team that flirts with 20 to 30 a lot, you know, pro- probably a lot throughout I the agree. course of the year. Uh, but they're so I don't at this stage, I don't know how physical they are, but I think they're athletic. And the length that they have, I think, can be more of a problem on the defensive end than a lot of folks anticipate. So you've got players at the two, the three, the four, who are all in that 6'6 to 6'8 range. And then if you can keep Coloco on the floor, and if the Ballo kid can play a few minutes and, and, and fill up the inside reasonably well, too, then you're in a situation where your size is a little bit better than a lot of teams a lot of the opposition might anticipate, and that can cause some problems. Uh, again, as the year moves along, Arizona's going to have to be a heck of a lot more physical on the defensive end to have the success it needs to. Because when you get into big games, half-court basketball matters. And For Arizona's sure. got a long way to go to be good in the half-court defensively and good in the half-court offensively. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that ultimately pans out. But in terms of athleticism, I think, and, and surprising size, I think this team stacks up reasonably well and can be a surprise for a few opponents this year. Right. Now, let's talk a little bit. And one of the cool things, first and foremost, though, on the AZ Wildcats podcast is we have a cornucopia of different people on here. We've got John Schuster doing pre and post with us for basketball. We got Tony Tony Gimino for uh, football. Uh, During the week, we've got athletes. we got all kinds of stuff. AZ Wildcats podcast. Go check out GoPHNX as well. Lots of good stuff there. All right. Now, let's talk about Kirk Kreisa. And to me, he's kind of the epitome of kind of the changeover. Because he took he shot a lot of shots tonight. He, I think it was 6 of 14 from the field, if I'm not mistaken. And some quick threes in transition, which I'm cool with. But you know what didn't happen? When he took a quick three in transition, he wasn't yanked out of the game. Right. And... He is a guy that I think is, you could just tell by watching him. And again, it's NAU, but you can tell that this is a guy that I think is going to have some really big scoring games because each time the ball leaves his hand shoe, it looks good. It looks like the shot's going to go in. I could see him having some high 20 point games this season. Yeah. I think that's a very real possibility. I think you're going to get that number. What I think, and, and that, and, and that would be nice because if you can have one guy 
the the combination here uh there's there's a sort a couple couple of things that are sort of going on Arizona I think has the ability to sometimes have games where maybe five six or seven players score in double figures really a great thing to have but if they also have a have a roster where one or two players might be able to score 25 mm-hmm. might be able to get close that to you a big when margin you need a bucket here and there right that that those are those are good combinations because it makes it a little bit more dif- difficult on the defensive end so and i think Carice is one of those guys who might fit uh, into that mold. And that's uh, what you're ultimately hoping for. I think a lot of folks are rightfully hoping that Matherin fits into that category as well. And he's the one guy in a night where a lot of Wildcats did good things. He's the one where you look at, especially from a shooting standpoint, uh, that didn't perform particularly well. But I think your points made well here. Arizona still put up a lot of points, even with one of their, what you anticipate being leading scores having an off night. So that's a good sign that they can score from a variety of places on the floor. I think it's interesting. Luis Molina says, I don't cringe anymore when teams go zone on Arizona. And I hadn't really thought about it, but I think that that's an interesting, that's an interesting way of putting it because watching it, because in the past there were so many times where Arizona's spacing on the floor was just kind of crummy, to be honest with you. There just wasn't, you didn't have really a lot of guys that could shoot. You had a bunch of big men in there. This was the first time where you would see lineups where you would have a Kirk Risa and then you would have a Kim Aiken Jr., who I think we're finding out is a pretty good shooter. Then you would have, obviously, Apella Larson. He didn't – he's a kid from Utah. Didn't look great tonight to uh, answer Nick Larson's – or Nick Howard's question, but he shot 49% from three last year at Utah, or 44. I can't remember off the top of my head. So you got good guys – it's a good number. Ben Matherin shot almost 40% from three last year. These are guys that can shoot. So you know what? And they look – and nothing looks fluky about it. So, yes, in the past there would be like, oh, gosh, team's going zone. I think with the way this team gets up and down and with the way they can force, you might want to zone this team kind of at your own peril at times, which is a little bit of a departure from the past. Yeah, I think Arizona's going to see a lot of man-to-man defense this year precisely because of that. Because one thing we're going to discover fairly quickly, and this shouldn't be a surprise given his, pet, give, given his pedigree, is that Tommy Lloyd teams can pass the ball and are very unselfish. I think I saw you provide a stat somewhere earlier tonight. It might have been our good pal Rob Lance who did this, who said something like Arizona had 15 uh, of their first 15 buckets, 13 were off assists. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think that's going to be a key number to pay close attention to yes. uh, this year. And I suspect that when Arizona's offense is working well, that's going to be a positive result. Yes, I, I think you're I think you're right on that. Can I, and, do you um, mind if I bring up another point as well that I think is absolutely going to be not. interesting? OK, thank you, Mike Luke. I think the focus on a specific the role of a specific point guard might be overvalued in the way that Lloyd offenses and Arizona is ultimately going to play. They don't necessarily need one person to set up an offense in the half. Right. Precisely because there are four guys on the floor who can get to their spots and all seem to have a willingness to move the ball around and make an extra pass. 
And so if you have that kind of fluidity on the offensive end, I think that can go a long way toward helping things in the half court, which again are going to be very necessary in Arizona's success as this season moves along. Eventually, teams are going to figure out trying to run with Arizona can be a problem. Now, obviously, there are going to be exceptions here. Oregon can run up and down the floor. They'll be fine. UCLA can run up the down the floor. They're going to be fine. USC, you can probably say, say the same thing about. There are going to be a number of teams on the schedule that come into this and think, okay, we got to control tempo here. We got to make this a half court game and try to slow things down and force the cats into that regard. And again, limit turnovers as well. NAU committed, I believe, 22 turnovers tonight. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. that sort of a number, it 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 plays right into Arizona's strength, which is scoring in the fast break scoring in transition, scoring easy buckets. But when you get the Cats in the half court, Arizona's ability to pass the ball from a variety of different players on and a variety of different spots on the floor, I think is going to be helpful. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, what's also interesting about this. And I think uh, KB Thiel makes an interesting point on this watching Kerr Creesa out there. He got a little bit of a spunk to his game. He got a little bit of a, And it's not kind of the Nico Mannion, kind of the fake bravado where you could just tell that, you know, I don't want to say a chip on the shoulder because that always, to me, that always brings really kind of an inferiority complex that I don't think is meant to convey a lot of the time. But he just had a little bit of a pizzazz to him that uh, I think is going to be fun for people to watch out here. And the other thing too, he's going to be playing 30 minutes. You could just tell that with with the way this team is uh, structured, He's probably going to play a lot, but to your point, I could see him playing off the ball a lot when he's really got a uh, when he's really got it going. I could see him going off the ball because, like you said, I don't think it really matters too much if Dalen Terry or Pella Larson or Justin Kyer is initiating the offense because it's going to look it. It's not so much about initiating the offense; it's about the offense once the ball is actually on the wing, right there, where I think it's going to be different and more free flowing. Yeah, there's this interpretation of uh, a rigid disciplinary approach on how offenses work. Right. Point guard is supposed to set up the offense. Two guard is supposed to shoot. Right. Your three is going to be the guy who can stretch the floor and get to the rim and utilize athleticism. The four and the five are going to be in there to clean up and get rebounds and maybe post up. And that sort of I don't think that's going to be the dynamic here. I think there are going to be a lot of interchangeable parts. And as a result, you'll have places on the floor. Sure. Bring up the ball. We're going to run this play. Okay, cool. You'll run that play and you get things started. But once the offense moves, I think two of the numbers to pay attention to. First one is how balanced is Arizona in scoring? The second is how balanced is Arizona in terms of assists? And I suspect on the games where Arizona's offense is working well and working efficiently, you're going to get balanced numbers in both of those categories. And if you do, that bodes well for the U of A's possibility of success and at least what they want to achieve in terms of efficiency on the offensive end. Yeah, and that's honestly what I look for. I just kind of look at how things roll. I just kind of look at how things go during the game, and this just seemed to be more free-flowing. Again, I'm not making it out like this is the Golden State Warriors here because in college basketball, you don't have a lot of teams like that. Well, you don't have any teams like that because these kids are 18, 19, sure. 20 years old. They just don't right. have that that capability. But, shoot, before we kind of wrap everything up here, and again, if you're not on DraftKings – 
What are you doing? We've been we've been going over this for two months. Shoes on DraftKings. I'm on DraftKings because I already told you I looked and at the ones and we I both made, won money tonight on DraftKings. I made over seven dollars. I made over well, eight. I might have what? made as much as nine. And here's the thing: if you make over seven dollars, if you got real right. money to play with, you could. I'm going to mm-hmm. turn that into a lot of money, and that's right. why you want to be on DraftKings. They got a great deal going on right now. Throw down $5 on an NFL game. You get $200 in free plays if you win. Again, $5 on any NFL game. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Throw it in there. They'll take care of you. Okay, Shu. Before we go, I watched a lot of college hoops today before I headed over to Mikhail to sit in media room. Right, right, um, VIP. Yes, and one thing that I... um one thing that I noticed is this year feels a little bit different. It feels like there's going to be some real juggernauts in college basketball this year. Um, watching, I think Kansas, what they did to Michigan state in that second half was incredibly impressive. Duke's going to be a problem, but it's still kind of the same thing for me where there's going to be five or six teams that are kind of clearly above everybody else. And then there's going to be a pack of about 15 to 20. And I think if you're Arizona and you can reside in that second pack, I'll right. Take that every day of the week. I think uh, I'm I'm curious about a couple things. One specific, and then one a generality. Mm-hmm. The specific is a game that I think it takes place Friday. I'm really curious to see how Villanova and UCLA plays out. Yes, yes. Villan Villanova is a you know, a lot of people, and Jay Bill has talked about this on the broadcast tonight. He thinks UCLA is the best team in the country. I agree. They return with him. everybody. They have somebody else in the mix. You're in that camp as well. You know, the way that John Schuster's not year, in that they, camp. John oh, Schuster, you're it, a resident the, Zaga guy. Are you going, are you back in the Zags? Yeah, I, uh, sure. It, it's more that I just don't know. Uh, right. that, but, but one of the things, so one of the things that because we're on the West Coast, you know, rock, desert Southwest, all of that, I think we really underappreciate what Villanova and Jay Wright have done. And I expect them to be looked at them. You know, they, they, they played the same caliber of opponent that Arizona did and did a lot of the same things that Arizona ultimately did. But I think Villanova is really good too. And right. uh, they're, they're, they're a team that that's a game that I'm really fascinated about in the early stages. That's the specific. The generality is how well do some of these teams improve in the two month period before we get into the, uh, in into the new year. I expect there to be a lot of inconsistency. I expect there to be a lot of ugly basketball. And I'm wondering if there if we're actually going to see around January or February some teams make a significant leap to close the gap against let's call it the group of five for lack of a better way. You can probably come up with three teams that right. you think are in that group. Maybe you can come up with eight teams that are in that group, whatever the juggernauts are. Where that's where where there are members of that second tier that actually separate themselves a little bit and improve so much that maybe the other teams that are really good, the juggernauts, if you will, don't have the same kind of improvement because they kind of coasted early on and have to figure out a way to make up the difference as some of these other teams once they're figuring it out and get the consistency in play a little bit, perhaps close the gap a little bit once we get into the second half of the college basketball season. 
Everybody out there, we appreciate you tuning in to the first game of the season. Shu and I will be back with you Friday evening, breaking down Arizona's next game. Um, we got uh, also uh, Tony Gimino will be on with us Saturday. Uh, I think Schuster, Schuster doesn't know this, but Schuster is going to be asked to join on a uh, – um, I didn't want to say something that sounds wrong right there, but Schuster is going to be asked to join. So you know what? That's called a tease. Hopefully, we'll be having Jamari Joyner on here in a day or two, talk some U of A football, back in the A to the fullest. But for everybody out there, we greatly appreciate it. And this is the first of about 40 different games that we're going to be breaking down. But for, yes, a lot. So for John Schuster, again, I am merely Mike Luke. That would be him. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Thanks again, guys. Thank you.